Father, we just choose to give you our attention right now. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to teach us that your word would speak right to our hearts. And we want to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And Father, we declare that our hearts are fertile soil for the seed of the word to not only be planted deep, but to bear much fruit. We choose and we declare that we are doers of the word and not just hearers only. So we partner with you, Father, in what you're saying and what you're doing. And we say yes to you, Jesus. And we're so grateful for the hope that we have because of what you're doing in our lives, our hearts. And we just thank you, Father, for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today I'm going to talk about the importance of kingdom relationships. And what I mean by kingdom relationships, I'm speaking specifically about relationships in the church, in your church family, in this church family. I'd like to start in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. If you can go ahead and put that up there. Ephesians chapter, excuse me, not 1 through 6, 11 through 16. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Everyone say mature in the Lord. So his goal is for us to become mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will, then we will no longer, no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. But instead, they will, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the whole, excuse me, let me back up. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps, other part, it helps the other parts grow. So as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Very important. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now I'm going to read verse 16 again, but I want to read it out of the um, Passion Translation. It says, For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. Amen? And then there's another verse, a passage, two verses, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And again, we're talking about the importance of kingdom relationships. Why is it important? Why are relationships in the body of Christ important? Why is it important to come to church? Why is it important to participate together in relationships? And it says, Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. 
And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So he's saying, especially now do this because his day of his, the day of his return is getting closer and closer. So it's important for us to meet together so that we can stir one, or, one another up and encourage one another to walk in love and good works. So, you know, you hear people say, or I hear people say, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And they're absolutely true. But I believe you need to participate in a church family to be a mature Christian. When I'm saying I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, then what you're saying is I'm doing this kingdom thing or this Christian thing on my terms. And it's already on the, you're already on the wrong side. Because Jesus says, if any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, which means I'm dying to myself and I'm following this man, Jesus. And he's the one who established the church. Because he said, on this rock shall I build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So why is it important to go to church? It's important if you want to become a mature, vibrant, growing, fruitful son or daughter of the king. If you want to continue to do your own thing, if you want to continue to stay the way you are and continue to have the bondages and hang-ups and hook-ups and, and all the junk that you're used to that has kept you captive for so long, if you want to stay that, then keep doing what you're doing. But if you want to grow out of that, then God has designed a way, a tremendous way, an important way for us to grow, to grow up, to grow into maturity. And that's through his body, through one another. That means the people that you're looking at around the room. You are God's gift to me to help me grow. If I think that I can do it, I can grow. If it can just be me and God and I can grow and be a strong, vibrant Christian without you, I'm delusional. Because that's not what the word teaches. And I like the part in verse 16 where it says, and every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. See, when first, the passage first starts out, he talks about the gifts that Jesus gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. He gave those gifts to the church for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. And we can stop there and talk about how important fivefold ministers are and how you need us. And that's it. But that's not the full picture. Because if in that whole passage, he talks about the whole body needing one another. And then in this verse right here, 16, it says again, and every member, not just the fivefold ministry, but every member has been given divine gifts. Everybody say divine gifts. That means gifts empowered by the Holy Spirit. So you, time to put your, hand, your finger on your chest and point to yourself. The person you're pointing to has received divine gifts to help with the growth of the body of Christ. That means you have what I need. You have what I need. And if you choose not to deploy or utilize the gifts you've been given, if you choose not to use those or allow those to be used by the Holy Spirit through you, then I'm going to miss out on everything that God has for me. See, this isn't all about me by myself, but it's about us needing one another. 
So when people ask, what's the purpose of church? Well, here's what I feel is the purpose of church. And when people ask me this, if you ask me this, this is what I'm going to tell you. So thank you for asking. The first purpose is to come and worship our king. Come together corporately. You say, well, I don't, have to, I don't have to come to church to do that. You're absolutely right. You can worship him by yourself, and you should be. But remember, there is, a, there is a reason for us to come together. The first reason is to worship Jesus together. Celebrate him. Thank him for how good he is and just love on him, number one. Number two, to bless and encourage one another. See, church isn't about me. It's about him, and it's about how I can encourage you all. So when I come to church, for, well, backing up, when we used to have a bunch of chillins, that means little kids, we have six kids, and when they were little and everything, it was very difficult, challenging, shall I say, getting them all ready and making it out the door without wanting to kill each other and be a Christian when you get there <laughs> to maintain your Christianity. It was hard. It was difficult. And then, and I remember Lisa, poor Lisa. I remember when we had babies and she would be all dressed up and everything and walk, get ready to walk out the door. Blah. I love you, mom. And a baby would just throw up all over her. Or it, you would just, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> it won't come out the top end, if you know what I mean. And you see this stuff running down Lisa's dress. I'm like, oh, man. I'm thinking, I'm so glad I'm not you right now. <laughs> but, I mean, right before you're about to go out the door, and, and moms, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, just chaos breaking out, you know, all that kind of stuff. And sometimes it's like, is it even worth it? Is it even worth it to go through all this mess just to go across town for an hour and a half? Is it even worth it? If you focused on the trouble and the trials, then maybe it's not worth it. But if you focus on the reason why, I need to get there because God may want to use me to encourage a brother or sister who needs encouragement. If I think in those terms, letting it be about each other instead of just about me and my discomfort and my frustration right now, then I think it will, we'll find that it is worth it. So number one reason to come to church is to worship the king. Number two, to encourage each other, to be a gift, to be a blessing to each other. You don't know how often God may put a word in your heart or just an encouragement in your heart and someone has just had a sorry week. I mean, one of those weeks. And you, excuse me, you go to them and say, you know what, I just want, I just feel like I'm, the Lord wants me to tell you. And you just say a simple, that he loves you and he cares about you, even though you had a rough week. Something simple like that. And it can mean the world to that person. We never know. We never know. I remember one time when I was a brand new Christian in Maranatha Campus Ministries, going to church on campus in Bennett Chapel. And I said, God, I just want you to use me. I want you to speak through me. I want a prophetic word. I want, to, you, know, I want you to use me. And, I, and then I remember him saying, tell my people that I love them. I mean, no, I don't want something that generic. Come on, God. Come on, give me something good. I mean, give me something. You know, like someone's social security number. You know, something that is obvious that God was in the house. And I was like, God, give me something. And he said, I want you to tell my people I love them. 
said, come on, God, we got to do better than that. And I'm literally having this conversation. He told me one more time. Tell my people I love them. And I said, no. I said, no. Within five seconds, Janet Shell, some of you remember Janet Shell, was sitting right in front of me. She stood up and said, the father wants us to know that he loves us. I got saved again. I was like, oh. See, sometimes, so he proved to me, son, I really wanted you to say that. And he gave me the opportunity, and I said, no. Because I wanted this big old fat juicy where everybody falls on their faces and say, oh, that was so good, CJ. You know, I wanted to be, I wanted that. So I really didn't want to be used by him. I really wanted to show off maybe. The point is, he can use this in such simplistic but powerful ways. So, number one reason, come to church to worship the king. Number two, to bless and encourage each other. And number three, to be equipped to go out there and love on people. To be equipped. So hopefully you come and you receive something, especially if you have the posture not the posture of, well, it better be good today because I got up early. I got up at 9.15, so it better be good. But if we come with the posture of, God, what do you have for me today? What's on the menu? Got my bib on, got my knife and fork, I'm ready to chow down. And whoever is preaching or speaking, no matter whoever's up here, you're, and what they say and what the Holy Spirit delivers through them, you're going to get it. And you're going to use that to encourage you to be a blessing to the people in your workplace or in your school, in your home, and out there. So we come to worship the king. We come to be an encouragement and blessing to one another. And we come to be equipped so we can go out there and love on people. Amen? So that's why we have church. And thanks for asking so I can share that with you. So we are, what are we doing? We are emphasizing relationship. What we're going to be doing in 2018, now we've been emphasizing relationship for the last number of years, but I believe we're about to take it to another level. I believe that's how the Father is leading us. For years, for a few years, he's been putting this concept on our hearts. We just didn't know how to do it. And, and we're, we believe we're following him. And so we've developed this thing called families. Now, most, if not all of you, or all of you have been invited to a family group at this point. And basically what we're doing is we're allowing him to develop something. It's kind of new. It's, it may resemble life groups or it may resemble home groups or it may resemble covenant groups or whatever, some kind of a small group, but it's not those things, even though it may look like and seem like and smell like some of those things. But it's going to be different. We believe he's wanting to develop the concept of family. And so we, it's, when we come together, we're, we're offering another opportunity for intentional relationship. Because we believe that Jesus showed and taught and, and demonstrated and modeled that relationship is where growth is going to happen. 
Remember, he told these guys, they were minding their own business, whether they were fishing or they were tax collectors or they were doing whatever. Jesus says, follow me. And he said, follow me. And they would, they would drop the nets and they would follow him. He says, follow me and I will make you into fishers of men. So in the process of following Jesus, he transformed their lives and they became fishers of men. And we watched, he was with them for three years, three and a half years. And we see these, these, these guys who had all kinds of issues. They end up turning the world upside down. But when you look at them and read the Gospels, what you do is you see these guys hanging out. They were living together. They were doing things together. Jesus was doing kingdom. And he was saying, guys, watch this. Watch me. And he would do these things. And then he, they would ask questions. He would teach them. But they were together in relationship. All that was in the context of relationship. And so in our society, in our, in our society, Relationship is very difficult, it's very challenging, because, see, we value busyness. Busyness is a high priority in our lives. And if you can say, nuh-uh, I'm going to say, uh-huh. Because anybody you talk to, I'm, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. And it's not that busyness is wrong. But it's important for us to be busy about our father's business. And a lot of times we're so busy, and I believe his number one priority is relationship. I mean, you can see that all through the scriptures, it's relationship. He talks about relationship with him. The, the whole law and the prophets, everything is based on two relationships, mine with him, mine with y'all. And that's everything. And so everything we do, everything the Father sets, up, sets us up for, everything he's building in us, setting us free and delivering us and encouraging and strengthening us is for our relationship with him to be more pure so we can enjoy him more and so I can be more effective in loving people. All about relationship. But some of us put ourselves in position to be too busy for relationship. And so what happens is if I'm too busy for relationship... I barely got enough time for my own family, so I spend time with my family, but that's not where it's supposed to end. It's not just supposed to be about me and my family. But I spend so much, I have so much going on that all I have is time for my family, and that's it. And I got to be working, or I got to do this project, or this thing, or whatever. And again, it's not that those things are wrong, but we need to get into the habit of saying, Father, what is it that you want me to be doing? What is it that you want me to be doing? Being about our Father's business. And so it's challenging in our society, because we're so busy, to connect in relationship. And so therefore, because I don't have time to really connect in relationship, I mean, maybe a potluck every once in a while I can show up for, or maybe I can, come, I can do church on Sundays. But when it comes to anything deeper, I don't got time for that. So what happens is... I pretty much, I may grow, I may be a Christian 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And I get older and I'm seasoned in life as far as life experiences. I may have a lot of wisdom, but as far as maturity, it's going to be lacking. Because I'm missing out on the very thing, or one of the very key things that God is going to use to bring maturity in my life. And that's the body of Christ. And see, as the church, big C church, generally speaking, 
We don't know how to do relationship. Well, I'm not going to say we don't know how. We don't do relationship. Let me say that. And I believe the Father is, is drawing us closer and closer to relationship with him and with each other. And remember, we're going to be with him forever. I mean, we're going to get to be with him forever. And I think it's going to be a whole lot more cool than people make heaven to be. When people, side note, when people say, oh, in heaven we're going to be like angels and we're going to be playing harps forever. Gag me with a whole place setting. That sounds boring. I'm just being real. That sounds boring, and I don't think that's what heaven's about. First of all, we're not angels. We're not going to be angels. And I'm sure there's going to be all kinds of aspects of worship that are going to be cool, but I believe there's going to be all kinds of amazing things that we're going to get to experience in when we're with him forever. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be crazy awesome. But now, before that time comes, his desire for us is to reach people for him. Who, if we don't reach them, they will not be with him forever, but they will be in eternal separation, eternal torment. And in our society, I've had the privilege of traveling all over the world. I get to go to wonderful places. And I, I've seen people that are extremely poor, but they seem to have this relationship with God that's just wonderful. It's crazy. And I think, you know, people say, well, why, why miracles in Africa? Or why miracles in China? Or why miracles over there, but we don't see them over here? Simple answer, distraction. We are so distracted by so many things. That's the importance of fasting and praying. Turning the noise off, getting refocused on him. We have to get our priorities back in line. Our priorities have to get back in line. Relationship with him, relationship with each other. So we're, we're emphasizing relationship and we're setting up these family groups for the purpose of offering practical opportunity for you to connect in relationship. I can't explain to you what it's all going to look like because this is a brand new journey. We don't have the blueprint laid out. All we do is we're taking Holy Spirit by the hand and, and following him. And as each family grows, as we grow together, they're going to grow even separately. The family that you're in, you find yourself in, is going to be different from a different family. But it's going to be amazingly exciting. And I believe it's going to be something that you definitely want to participate in. So if we want to move forward together effectively in relationship, then here's what we need to do. There are four things that I'm going to tell you real briefly, and we're going to talk about this more in detail later. But there are four things that we need to do. If we want to walk in more kingdom relationship, effective relationship, here are four things that need to happen. Number one, we have to place the right value on each other. We have to place the right value on each other. See, I can't look at you through the value that... I place you, I don't know if I said that right, I can't look at you and, and can't be my value that I place on you, I have to see you through God's eyes, the value he's placed on you. Let me give you an example. If, if your little girl comes to you and says, Daddy or Mommy, can you hold my little 
teddy bear. And she has this little teddy bear, and it's all beat up. It's all tattered. It's all, it stinks. You know, it's been drug around by the dog. But this little girl holds premium value on that little teddy bear. And she says, Daddy, can you hold this for me? I'm going to go outside and play. Can you hold this for me? Now, if you as a father, if you look at and value that thing through your eyes, you're probably going to toss it aside. Or you're not going to treat it the way it should be treated. But if you look at that little thing and choose to value it through the value that the little girl places on it, you're going to treat it differently. Does that make sense? And see, we tend to value people. We look at people and we size them up and we judge them. And a lot of times the, the lens that we look and judge them with is through the lens of our past experiences. See, because if I see you as a man or an authority, like Johnny right here, I see you as an as authority figure, as a man, then I may, I may, and if I've had bad experiences with, with authorities in the past, now, guess what my tendency can be? I look at him through the lens of my past pain. And so then I look at him with suspicion. So then what am I going to do? I'm going to keep my distance. So then pastor's saying, well, we need, you guys need to be in relationship. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't even trust him. Don't know him, but I don't trust him because he reminds me of And so if we're going to look at each other through those, through those lenses, then there's no way relationship's going to happen. Or there's no way good relationship, wholesome relationship is going to happen. And so I have to be able to look at you, and we have to look at each other, or place the right value on one another. An example I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me this morning. He says, for example, if, if I'm looking at somebody, if I'm looking at a drug dealer, through my eyes, I see a drug dealer. I see a perpetrator. I see a person who needs to be taken down, taken out, all that kind of thing. If I'm looking at him through eyes of love, the father's eyes, I see a very gifted businessman. See the difference? I mean, you think about it, the drug dealers who are good and haven't been caught yet, very smart, very entrepreneurial. Now, what I'm not saying is that his or her activities, illegal activities, are okay. That's not what I'm saying. That has to stop. That has to change. But I'm seeing that person through their potential that the Father has placed in them. That potential is just being used in a wrong way. But Jesus wants to redeem that. Because if, if he's placed gifts and leadership and, and all that in a person, and they're not born again, then they're going to be leaders. I mean, how many non-Christian leaders do you know that are very powerful, very effective, very uh, charismatic? Because there's gifts inside of them that God put in them. They're just using them for themselves. They're using them the wrong way. And so when we choose to look at each other that way, instead of seeing, seeing you in light of the behavior that you're acting out, I see you in light of the potential that you are. Imagine when we start looking at each other that way. In other words, I'm not focused on what you're doing right now. I'm focused on the potential that I see in you. And we begin to call out the treasure in each other. 
You know what I appreciate? This one pastor, he says accountability. Accountability is a very important thing, and that's why it's important to be in relationship for the sake of accountability. But I like what he, how he defines accountability. He says accountability. We think of accountability as I need to make sure you're not doing wrong. I need to make sure you're staying in line. I need to make, you know, making sure you, you're doing things right. And there's an aspect of that that's very important. But accountability is helping you to account for your ability. Helping you to see, this is who God says I am? Yes. Look at the ability that he's placed in you and helping each other to rise to that potential. So that's what relationship does. In account of your ability. Amen? So number one, we have to see each other. We have to place the right value on one another. Number two, we have to make, number two, making relationships in the body of Christ has to become a high priority. The types of relationship that our Father wants to bring into your life. And I said this earlier, busyness is highly valued in our culture and society. And we can be busy about doing too many good things, but missing the God things. So relationship, first of all, I have to see, I have to value you the correct way. Number two, I have to have a high priority on relationship. If I don't have a high priority on relationship, then it's going to be very easy for me to miss out on relationship because I'm too busy. Make sense? Number three. We have to commit to protect the dignity of each other. We have to choose to protect the dignity of each other. Choosing. This means how we choose to perceive people and how we choose to talk about people. How am I talking about you when you're not around? Especially if you give me one of them looks. You see the way she looked at me? You know why she looked at me that way? That girl's got issues. Let me tell you some of her issues. How am I talking about you? How are we talking about each other when the, the other people aren't around? Even if you gave me a cross-eyed look or whatever, or even if you did or said something that might have offended me, if I value relationship. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, and I'm still going to protect your dignity by the way I talk about you around other people. See, we think that because someone offends me or someone is rude to me or someone does something stupid or whatever, I mean, really, they do something stupid or offensive or whatever, we tend to think that that gives me the right to talk bad about them. When I do that, I am partnering with the accuser of the brethren. Because he accuses. And you know when Satan accuses people, he's not necessarily like when he, he's before God or however that works out, and he accuses God, look what he did, look what he did, look what she did, look what she said. You know it's not necessarily that he's lying, that he's not telling God the truth. You might actually be doing those things. But it's like we're, we're wanting to highlight someone's bad behavior instead of protect and help them to walk in who they truly are. So if we want an environment of powerful, amazing accountability, amazing relationship, then we have to be careful and be intentional how we choose to talk about each other, especially the ones you don't agree with. 
And number four. Commit to preserve relationships among one another. We have to commit to preserve relationship with one another. I'm going to make you a promise. And you can hold me to this. I promise you that as we move intentionally into greater or closer relationship, I promise you, you will have greater opportunities and more opportunities to be offended. If you don't want to be offended, well, I was going to say stay by yourself, but you'll probably offend yourself. When you choose to, when you're, when you're by yourself, your relationship with God can be amazing. And all of a sudden, people get involved, and everything goes to pots. It's like, what just happened? People showed up. You will be given plenty of opportunities to be offended. You know, in, you know for example, in, the, in this opportunity when you were being invited to the groups, to the parties, to the, you know, to the reveal parties and all that kind of thing, it was kind of chaotic. I mean, imagine you're trying to reach out to 200 and something people and you're trying to do all this. Well, what happens is some people's numbers change. Um, or some people, you forgot to put on the list in the first place so the person didn't contact anybody because they weren't on the list because you forgot. Simple, unintentional, innocent things, but they can cause offense. Simple things can cause offense. I'm not even talking about the real things. I'm not even talking about the hurtful things, the, the clashes, not even getting there. I mean, you guys know that's going to cause, that can be a big potential. But I'm talking about simple, innocent things. I was telling Lisa, I remember years ago, uh, I don't remember which son it was, but I was sitting over here and they were sitting over there. And we made eye contact with each other during worship or something. Well, it had to be during worship because we made eye contact with each other and I made a face at him. I either stuck my tongue at him or I did something. And he kind of made a face back at me. Of course, we were being silly and playful. Well, then I kind of focused on someone behind him, and that person was looking at me too. I thought, oops. <laughs> because from their perspective, they thought I was looking at them. But I wasn't. So they had a perfect opportunity, and I wasn't a pastor back then, but I was an elder and whatever else. They had a perfect opportunity to take up offense. Did you see the elder just made a face at me? He stuck his tongue at me. He's judging me. And I did stick my tongue, not at him or her, but my son. But you see how simple things like that can cause offense? And let me tell you this. If you are offendable, you will be offended. If you stick, if you're out in the, in the lake or whatever, a big lake that has a bunch of catfish, if you stick some whatever stinky bait or whatever they like, you will get some hits. Just a matter of time. But it's going to happen. If you are offendable, you will be offended. You will be offended. I promise you, you will be offended. Because people aren't perfect. People make mistakes. People do things on purpose. And that's when, see, this is where, this is how 
This environment is perfect for growing in maturity because we learn how to work through our offenses. We learn how to work through the clash in relationship. We learn how to walk in forgiveness. Why is forgiveness talked about so much in the Bible? I mean, so much, in, not only in the, new, in, in the Gospels, but in the epistles. Forgive, forgive, forgive. It talks about that, how we need to endeavor to keep the unity, and we have to walk in forgiveness like Christ uh, and God forgave us and all that. That was talked about over and over. And you know who he's talking to? He's talking to the church. He's talking to the Christians amongst each other. Because he knew there would be plenty of opportunity for you and I to be forgive, to be offended. But we have to choose. What am I going to do with this thing that seems offensive to me? What am I going to do with it? The Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. We're going to talk about this more another time. But, it, for example, if someone does something to offend me and I don't understand and I'm frustrated, Love says, okay, Father, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Either they didn't do it on purpose and I took it wrong, or they were having a bad hair day and they did it on purpose, but I'm committed to the relationship and we're going to get this worked out. That is so not what happens in the church. When I'm out talking to people on the streets, I come across so many people in here in Oklahoma, people that used to go to church. You know what they say? You all heard it. Oh, I used to go to church, but the church is full of... You know why the church is full of hypocrites? Because they got hurt by someone in the church, and they're thinking, if they were a real Christian, they wouldn't have hurt me. Can, can we all agree that that's a huge lie? Because I is a Christian, and I hurt people. Not necessarily intentional, but I hurt people. I hurt people's feelings because I make mistakes. I forget about you. I overlook you. I do all these things. And so if you're putting me on a pedestal that because you're the pastor, you shall not hurt me, well, that's a good declaration. <laughs> that's a powerful declaration. And keep saying that. But chances are something's going to go crossways. And so they're hurt and they're not coming to church anymore or going to church anymore because the church is full of No, the church is full of people who mess up, make mistakes, and hurt each other. But when we, and I'm going to close with this last thing, when we choose, you know what, I'm going to preserve relationship, I'm going to choose to value people, place the value that God puts on people, relationship is a high priority. And when we all make that commitment, those commitments, what's going to happen? We are going to flourish. This place is going to be a safe place, not a perfect place, but a safe place that people out there are going to flock to want to be here, not necessarily in this building, but to be around you. You know why? Because Jesus said, this is how the world will know that you're his followers, by the way you love one another. They're going to say, wait a minute, there's something in the way you treat each other. I want a piece of that action. Let's stand up together. I'm going to invite you to invite you to close your eyes. You can bow your heads down or bow your heads up or bow them sideways any way you want to. But just talk to the Holy Spirit right now. Talk to the Father in anything that you 
need to talk with him about concerning what we just talked about or what I just said. <laughs> just want to invite you to have conversation with him right now. Father, we are very excited about what you're doing, and we are so looking forward to 2018 with all the powerful things that we get to be a part of, the amazing things that are going to happen in this community, that are going to happen in our own families, that are going to happen in our individual lives, and that's going to happen in and through this church family. And we thank you for allowing us to be a part of all of that. And I thank you, Father, for this family of people who are saying yes to you and the kingdom relationships. We thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the grace that you're extending and making available for us to grab a hold of and to be able to walk in relationship in grace and love and forgiveness. We give you honor and praise, Father. And Lord, we ask your blessing upon the food and the fellowship that we're about to have as we talk about the children's ministry. We thank you for that. And we thank you for the amazing things that have been happening and that are going to happen through the children's ministry. In Jesus' name, amen.